Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. We end today with the big increase of shelter dogs and cats. This is a nationwide phenomenon. According to the group Shelter Animals Count, there were a quarter of a million more dogs and cats in need of homes in December of 2023 than the year before. Shelters in the gorge say that is exactly what they are seeing. As reported recently in Columbia Gorge News, Hood River Adopt-A-Dog and Home at Last Humane Society in the Dalles are both full up. They can't take in more animals. At the same time, adoption rates are low, so the existing dogs and cats have to stay for longer. Laura Spinney is Operations Director and Foster Coordinator for Hood River Adopt-A-Dog. Sierra Molesworth is a certified dog trainer and the social media manager there. And Lisa Erland is the board treasurer at Home at Last. They all join me now. It's great to have all three of you on the show. Thank you for great having Great to be us. here. Thank you. Laura, first, when did you reach capacity? Um, it probably happened in late summer that we realized that these dogs aren't moving um, via adoption. Uh, adoptions just really started to slow down and and then we realized okay we just don't have room to put dogs anywhere hmm. so we've been there since mid to late summer at capacity you have you have a, a little banner at the top of your website right now that says we are currently full up as a result we are not accepting owner surrenders at this time do people still call you up every day what do they say and what do you say well, you know, it's really, it's a tricky position because um, a lot of people are in, in a situation that they don't really have any means to, you know, deal with having an animal. So they're either, you know, losing their housing, um, they are just can't really afford to, um, you know, keep their animal, whether it's for medical needs or just, you know, feeding them. So we try and support the county um, you know, with we have a food pantry here for the animals and, and things like that. You know, there's multiple reasons people are like, I'm moving. I can't take my dog with me. Um, it's really a gamut of reasons. Hmm. Lisa Erland, what about in the Dalles? Um, what kinds of reasons do you hear these days for people saying, I can't take care of my dog anymore? It's, it's exactly the same thing that Laura just mentioned. It's, there are different obvious reasons, but um, either they're moving or they can't afford their animal, um, which is heartbreaking for the shelter and for the animal as well. And I, I imagine sometimes for, for the people themselves. Yes. What about behavioral issues? I mean, Sierra, this is one of the things that, that you focus on. Um, is there a connection between dog training and dogs not ending up in shelters in the first place? That's a big, that's a big subject. Um, a lot of people may not understand the commitment potentially when they, like when they get a puppy, they're cute, fluffy, adorable. Um, but as they age and they get bigger and foundation training isn't done, it definitely turns into nuisance behavior. There are, like, as far as reasons go, surrendering dogs' behavior is 
a prominent portion of that as well. And what are the behaviors that that are you you see most often that lead people to sort of throw up their hands and say, I can't take care of this dog anymore? In this rural area that we're in, oftentimes it's dogs getting away from their owner um, and harassing the neighbors or just at large. Um, and when that happens and, and the dog gets picked up by, by animal control, they have to pay to get their dog out. And sometimes they just stop paying. Um, confinement, you know, even having your dog come when called back to you is that's a big challenge for people. And a lot of dogs just get away from them hmm. and they don't go get, they don't go get the dog from the shelter. If somebody comes to the shelter saying, I, I'm, uh, I've, I'm fed up. I can't take care of this dog anymore because their behavior is, is too challenging. What do you say to them? I am always trying to work with people as much as they are willing to put in the effort. I have personally found by the time they reach out to the shelter for behavioral reasons, they are not willing to work on it anymore. Um, oh, it's too late at that point. For for the person, hmm. like the, they wait until the straw has broken the camel's back kind of thing. Um, they're completely fed up and done and they don't want to put in the effort most of the time to, to salvage their relationship with their dog. Hmm. So in other words, if, if the relationship were going to be salvaged, it would have to happen before somebody comes to the shelter. By that point, <clears throat> their mind is made up. For the most part, yes. We do try to work with people. Um, if someone is willing to to work on their dog's behavior, um, I do offer a free consultation so that I can help know the situation and what can we do immediately to improve the dog's behavior so it can stay in the home. Long-term compliance is very important. Um, there are some behaviors that we can definitely work with in the shelter too. Like like a dog at large is is not a serious behavior issue. That's That's a training issue. So um, we do try to work with people for behavior reasons, dogs that we can actually bring into the shelter and get adopted. Hmm. I want to hear more about the training you do at the shelter. Um, but Laura Spinney, back to you. I have to say that I, I have been a little bit confused by the increase in, um, in dogs and shelters now in 2023 and 2024, because the story that I had in my head, and I guess it was wrong, um, is that in 2020, there was a big spike in adoptions because of because of the pandemic and more people were at home, more people wanted companionship. And and so a lot of folks um, got animals maybe for the first time or, or for the first time in a while. And then a lot of folks as public life reopened or as they went back to the office, they realized I don't want to or I can't take care of this animal anymore. And so in 2021 and 2022, um, there was a spike in returns or people surrendering their animals. How do you explain the big increase now? I mean, we, we are a couple years on from that. Yeah. So there's probably a couple reasons. Um, there, We didn't see a huge increase in surrenders in 21 and 22. Hmm. We still had people coming to the, us to adopt dogs. My, you know, just my application adoption application rates were very high um, in, you know, in um, 2020 
in 2021, we have very high application rates for dogs. 22, they started to drop off, but they were still, you know, we're a small shelter, so it was still sort of didn't affect us greatly. Um, but this year, 23, so you, so it basically in 21, we would have roughly 100 to 130 applications for our dogs a month. In 23, we get six to 10 applications a month for our dogs, and we have more dogs. So the, and my surrender rate, we didn't historically track that, like how many people were um, coming to us asking for us to, to take their dogs. We started tracking that this past year with an application process. So they had to fill out an application. Um, and then we were able to kind of keep track of the numbers. So I don't have previous history of how many people wanted to surrender their dogs in those previous years. But it may be um, that, that the, the biggest difference is, is not in surrenders, but in demand for, for animals to begin with. I mean, you're talking about an enormous drop in requests for, for shelter animals. Yeah. Do you, what, how do you explain that? I don't know. I mean, I can't answer that. Um, it, it's not like, you know, it's not like the, our county is saturated. I mean, I think there's always people out there that want dogs, but maybe they, you know, because everything is more expensive, um, you know, veterinary costs are more expensive, but, you know, vets have to pay their bills too. So it's not, you know, it's just, I think a bigger picture problem. Um, housing is limited here. Um, it's very expensive to live in our county. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, you know, I think funding is limited for what people can afford. Hmm. There are a significant amount of stray dogs that come in. Um, it's hard for us to, to sort of pinpoint why. Maybe people are dumping their dogs. It's, you know, but our stray rates are are pretty high. But what's really the problem is our return to owner rates are significantly lower. So a dog comes in, is stray, is picked up by the animal control officer, is brought into our shelter, and we hold it for um, the owner to come and claim it. Um, and and th- these and, are dogs that say that, that might be microchipped. You actually, you are able to identify who the owner is. If they're microchipped, we can. The majority of dogs that are found at large are not microchipped, and that's another really big problem that we are trying to figure out a way to remedy. Um so, you know, our return to owner rate in 20 and 21 was 85 to 90 percent, which is really, really good. I'm, the national average is generally around 40 percent from what I've been able to figure out. Um, so 2021, our return to owner rate, people were getting their dogs back. They wanted their dogs back. They were looking for them. Um, and and 23 this year in the fall, our average return to owner rate was about 37 percent. So about the national average. Hmm. But because we're a small community, we have we have a really good ability to um, post on social media that we have your dog, share it. We have people sharing it all over the place. So people generally will figure out that their dog is in the shelter. And they are making the choice to to not come and and bring them back into their homes. I just want to remind folks, if you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the big challenges at two animal shelters in the Gorge. Lisa Erland is the board treasurer at Home at Last Humane Society in the Dalles. Laura Spinney is the operations director and foster coordinator for Hood River Adopt-A-Dog. And Sierra Molesworth is a certified dog trainer and the social media manager there in Hood River. Lisa Erland, back to you. You know, we've been talking about um, 
surrenders, that, that implies that, that somebody has actually come by to say, here, I can't take care of my dog anymore, I'm moving, or I can't af- afford it, or their behavior is, is too challenging. Do people ever just not say anything, just drop a dog off, leave them at your doorstep? Yes, we've unfortunately had that happen. We've had people um, that would tie it. One instance, they tied a dog up to the front by the front door on the post and walked away, drove away. We had surveillance video, um, and they were not from this state. So it, then it becomes, you know, a police effort. But it, it, they were from Washington, so it, it's heartbreaking to have an animal watch their owner drive away. But yes, hmm. that has happened. I suppose it also increases the challenge for you if you don't know anything about the animal's history, if you don't know that they're not great with kids or you know, they, they, they have particular behavioral issues, you know nothing about the animal. That's right. And a lot of times you don't know a lot about the animals if they come in on a stray. So either all all the way around, you just sometimes don't know the history. You don't know if they've been vaccinated or – but yes, you're absolutely correct. Well, Sierra, this gets to one of your areas of expertise. As as a certified dog trainer, what are some of the things that, that you do at the shelter to help make dogs more adoptable? We like to get to know them as much as possible. Um, we do, we have daily walks here um, in Richmond and then we'll, we will start with some basic training. Um, having dogs hold still for being harnessed and leashed up. Leashed up. Um, we also work on like sit, don't jump on the person kind of thing. Um, we do get quite a bit of dogs that will bark at other dogs, people that's fairly common. Um, so we, we like to work on those kinds of behaviors as well. Um, we have a very dedicated walking, uh, group of volunteers who make sure that the dogs are getting out and getting physical exercise so that they can be more calm um, we build training on top of that. The hard part is is them being so excited to come out of their kennel that they're going to jump on you. Um, but that's not necessarily the root of the problem. We've got to get them exercised and work on those basic manners. Does being just in a shelter, a noisy place, they're, they're confined much of the day, there's animals all around them, it's unfamiliar. Does that make everything harder in terms of training? Absolutely. Yes, they are. Most dogs want to be with their people and or with other dogs. They are very social creatures. And so when they do have to be kenneled separately, we have to make sure that we're giving each of them their individual time, making sure that they're getting their needs met. And with the shelter being full, we are we're divided up. There's only so many of us versus how many dogs we have. Um, so we do, each dog has their own individual needs that we work really hard to meet. Some dogs need more outside time. Some dogs need more training. Some dogs need more cuddles. Uh, um, we focus on each dog as an individual, but it gets challenging when there's, when we're so full. You, in addition to doing training, you are also the social media manager for Hood River Adopt-A-Dog, yes. uh, meaning that you make videos and photos and posts on social media, uh, especially on, on Instagram, I, I understand, to attract folks to, to come and meet the dogs and fall in love with them and take them home. What have you learned about what's 
most successful in terms of, of getting people to be interested in a particular animal? We focus mostly on video sharing. I make reels and, and things. We, we need to see the personality. The person needs to see how silly or goofy or smart or whatever characteristics this dog is. Um, so we have an indoor space that we bring toys out. We try to see if they'll play with a ball, play with a toy. Um, maybe they'll cuddle with one of us on the couch. Those things I need to highlight for each individual dog so that people can see their personality a little bit better. A still photo is is fine, especially a high quality photo, but people want to see more of, of the dog. Um, so we'll also take them out on a walk and let them kind of run around in the grass, roll around in the grass, it's super cute. Um, people need to, to picture themselves having this dog at home. So getting them out of the kennel, getting them, um, we have one location off campus, quote unquote, that we'll, we'll go to so that people can picture these dogs in their home, in their yard, on their couch. Um, that's really the, the men I'm trying to drive home is, is personality and this dog being a member of your family. Laura, um, you were talking about, you know, the, the huge decrease in adoption rates, which you, I imagine you desperately want to increase to get these animals out into permanent homes and to make more space for the, the many animals that um, that are not wanted right now. Um, but is there a tension between getting more animals into homes and making sure that you're finding the right homes for these animals? Absolutely. And we, you know, we really work hard at that. We have a pretty rigorous adoption application process that we go through. Um, we have an online application that, that has a lot of, you know, detailed questions about what your life is like. We want to fit a dog to, we want to get a dog to fit into your lifestyle. So a lot of people here want, you know, running buddies, biking buddies, and um, very active community, obviously. This is Hood River. Yeah, it's Hood River. Water <laughs> skiing dogs. Dog. Yeah. So... Um, you know, we and and because Sierra and I spend so much time as do the volunteers and our staff, we have an amazing group of um, staff and volunteers here that just are so wonderful to our dogs. And I couldn't do this without them. But we really get to know the dogs. We really, you know, like Sierra was saying, we take them out. We figure out what they like, what their dislikes are. And then based on what your application says, you know, I'll, I I'd call everybody that applies um, if they apply for a dog that's still available. And we talk through it like, okay, well, this dog really doesn't like other dogs. He just seems to be the only dog in the home. And if they have other dogs, it just won't work. And, and it's not worth, you know, pushing the dog to try and live that way because it's it just it, the dog will end up coming back to us. So I'm like, well, this dog likes other dogs. Would you like to meet this dog? And then we do one-on-one -on -one meet and greets in our building. Um, we go for walks with the people. I had somebody come this weekend and they met three different dogs and they, you know, they loved them all. Um, and in the end it was hard for them to choose, but they chose one that really, really fit their lifestyle. And um, so, and it doesn't always work out, you know? So I like to keep in touch with the adopters. I, I generally reach out to them after they adopt, you know, 
few times over the next couple of weeks and just how's it going. I'm here to support you, you know, in your um, adoption with this dog. So, you know, we really try to ma- like match, make, make, make matches that work. Um, doesn't always work, but we want the dog and the person to have the best experience. Yeah, um, my, my understanding is that, that uh, both of your shelters are no-kill shelters. But I'm wondering if if you're full up, if people can't take their their dogs to you, uh, d- does it mean that that somewhere in the system more animals are being put down right now? Not with us. If I can't accept an animal, <clears throat> I just can't accept it. So we try and figure out resources to help the animals stay with the owner until we have a spot open up. Um, that doesn't always happen. Um, if if someone's trying to relinquish their dog to me because it's been biting everybody in the neighborhood, I can't take on that dog because how I can't adopt out a dog that's biting everybody. And um, so I, I, you know, I tell the people, well, you know, there's trainers, you can work with trainers. Um, unfortunately, I can't help every dog. So dogs that uh, you know are adoptable when people try to relinquish them to me i will i'll put them in touch with sierra i'm like i have a trainer you can do a consult with maybe there's some things you guys can do at home to make it better um you know there's uh, again we have a food pantry if you don't have enough money for food i will supply you with food as much as i can um those sorts of things and we're trying hood river adopted dog is a is a nonprofit, 100 donation based um, shelters. So we, we really need funding to be able to, um, supply the county with microchip clinics, rabies clinics, spay neuter clinics. Um, so that's where we're really trying to grow things to help people be able to afford to keep their animals. Um, you know, but it's, you know, it's a hard time right now. There's not a lot of money in there. Laura Spinney, Sierra Molesworth and Lisa Erland. Thanks very much. Thank you. Laura Spinney and Sierra Molesworth joined us from Hood River Adopt-A-Dog, Lisa Erland from Home at Last Humane Society in the Dalles. Tomorrow on the show, more severe weather is on the way. We're going to hear what the Oregon Department of Transportation is doing right now to prepare for it. Our production staff includes Elizabeth Castillo, Roly Hernandez, Gemma DiCarlo, senior producer Allison Frost, and managing producer Shiraz Sadiq. Nalene Silva engineers the show. Our technical director is Stephen Cray, and our executive producer is Sage Van Wing. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on the NPR app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. Have a great day. Think Out Loud is supported by... Steve and Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation. Mm-hmm.